So it's Friday. Welcome back, nerds. It is another episode of Opticians Unhinged. I'm Iris. And Lucia. There we go. <laughs> I sounded like Eeyore just now. And Lucia. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> yeah. By the time that you guys are watching this, I'll officially be a married woman. So, yeah, this is going to air two days after I get married in Las Vegas. So, let me tell you how we got here. I started, I was like, let's do like a wedding episode. And so I started trying to Google random optometry, optical facts Like, when was the first pair of glasses worn at a wedding? Now, in the process of that, I found a whole bunch of articles about not... (laughs) First, it was how many people were saying they were going to go get LASIK for their wedding. Okay. How How many people said... Uh, don't wear glasses at your wedding. You should totally wear contacts. And I'm like, uh, why? Like to me going and getting LASIK for your wedding day, just for, that's an expensive thing. Right. And for me, somebody that's always trying to promote eyewear, I feel like there are much less expensive, less extreme options. But then in the process of me trying to narrow it down to eyewear specifically, I kept seeing this article from different places, okay? The same article over and over and over again, written by different people, different publication outlets, about a bride that got married in Disney earlier this year that suffered from color blindness. And in, in almost every single one of these articles, it's like, people just kind of copied and pasted the info. And in every single one of these articles, it said that this color blindness, um, that this bride was able to see colors she had never seen before with the help of her special glasses. That was it. That's all the info that they gave. And then they focused more on the fact they were getting married in Disney and what this surreal experience was like for this woman. And, you know, congratulations on your wedding for real. Like I'm, I'm not negating her special day and I'm glad that it was made even more special with the help of her special glasses. But for me, man, I can already tell the amount of skepticism that's going to come out of this one. Oh, man. (laughs) So, I was getting more frustrated at the fact that this was an opportunity for all of these publications to actually give some info for those colorblind people of the world and say, hey, here are some resources that can also let you have your special day with your special glasses. So, then I was like, these glasses have a name. So I'm going to do an episode on it. Um, so what ended up happening was I ended up di- just rabbit holing colorblindness for a while. And I came to find that there's actually five different brands of colorblind deficient eyewear. But I'm only going to focus on one today because I like their outreach. Um so I don't know which one she was wearing, but it definitely looked a lot like Enchroma. What's up? Uh, before you go into 
Let me just give you my two cents on this thing. All right. All right. So here's here it is. First of all, the fact that this woman is colorblind is like a miracle in itself because that usually don't happen to women. That's the guy thing. Guys are the ones that usually yep. are colorblind. Women, very, 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 very rare. Okay. Okay. So that's one. Uh, the second thing <laughs> I've got on this one is I have spoken with a fair amount of doctors in my career um, about colorblindness because we have a friend that is colorblind. And I thought it would be cool to get him a pair of colorblindness glasses, whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and so I did research, and I asked doctors, and I did more research, and I asked more doctors. Let me tell you. First off, the consensus with the doctors was uh-huh. they don't work. They're pointless. Uh, it's a waste of money. Um, there's no real reason to get them other than kind of like now, I'm not colorblind, so I don't know. I might be wrong. I'm just telling you what I've been told. Uh, the way it was explained to me was kind of like back in the day, you remember those glasses that they would give you at the movie theater to like. Oh, with the red and the blue lenses. The red and the blue. Right. For the 3D stuff. Uh, right. So the way it was explained to me was more like. You know, the 3D effect where it's enhanced but not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no real benefit for them other than the one extra color that you can see. Uh, so it's not like, you know, when you have been wearing non-sunglasses outside and then you put polarizers like, whoa, I can see color now. It, it's not like that. It's not even. So while I was looking into this, um, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I came to find that there are not any glasses that are made for blue-yellow deficiencies. They're only for red-green deficiencies. Now, blue-yellow deficient is very, very rare. Um, right. And so if you are colorblind and you are not blue yellow, then they may work. But then also there was the whole, like there's varying levels of deficiency. Um, So uh, in my time, I didn't really have too many colorblind patients. Like I think in my 10 years of doing this, I maybe encountered like a handful or less, right? And apparently these glasses, while they are available as an indoor option, they actually work best outdoors. Um, so the, they make sunglasses and like the, the article, like the bride in the article, she was wearing sunglasses. And then for me, I was getting a little irritated with the fact that she's wearing these because they're not fashionable. Like, they're not fashionable. They were just big, chunky, black 
glasses on this white dress with this it, it looked out of place her husband wasn't wearing sunglasses like it it just kind of looked out of place for me but it did say that for those that are wearing them and I went and looked up different articles for, written by people that tried these glasses and for anybody okay. that's listening if, if you're interested in that feedback um, I'm linking it into the show notes, but I think I put two or three different articles in there from people that had written about them. One of them was a scientist. One of them was a journalist. So these were colorblind people that tried the glasses and they wrote what their experience was. Uh, I think the scientist guy had done like some testing with the glasses on and the testing did prove that there was some improvement for the most part. Uh, the people whose articles I did read from firsthand experience did mm -hmm. say that they noticed a difference and that, you know, they did work, that they were good. It was not. And one of them did say it wasn't like some life altering experience for them, but that they could definitely right. see colors that they otherwise wouldn't really see. Um, <clears throat> so I think. For the people that are listening who are suffering from colorblindness in any caliber, or if you have maybe colorblind children or anything like that, um, that it's important to know before you go down this road and spend the money on these that mm -hmm. they do work, but they also do still have a lot of limitations. Um, so don't expect a life altering change. Don't expect right. them to work fantastic indoors, especially if you're working on a computer. Uh, I was reading that backlit devices with these lenses just, they, they don't work well. Um, so because like you, I had always heard from doctors that they don't work well. And I'm like, well, then how is it that there's five different brands of these if they don't work well? So mm -hmm. then in my in my looking up of things, it came to pass that most optometrists don't really receive very thorough training on color blindness mm. and that it, it gets, I don't want to say misdiagnosed, but they don't receive the proper diagnosis a lot because they're relying on, um, I think it was called like the, the Aishihara test, um, uh -huh. something I've got it written down in here somewhere. We'll, we'll pass over it, but, um, yeah, so there's, there's some issues when it comes to diagnosing the color blindness. And also if you think about it, uh, when it comes to colorblind testing, uh, I don't really see the optometrist ever do the colorblind testing. It's usually the tech and the tech is usually giving you the little booklet. So, uh, yeah. I feel like it might kind of get lost somewhere in between the tech and, and the OD. Um, I could be wrong, but if, if there's a predominant amount of misdiagnosis involved here, I think that maybe the testing itself could be improved more. Um, so with all of that, I felt like it would be a good topic of conversation that, you know, clearly it's not something that gets talked about enough. So right. figured that it would be the thing. I was getting married in Vegas and then, you know, I'm seeing this thing about Disney and this bride. It's like, oh, my God, the colors. And I'm getting married at eight o'clock at night in October in a city 
full of lights, beautiful lights. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how special would that be for those Vegas brides? You know, the number one wedding destination in the world (laughs) for those Vegas brides to be able to see those things like they've never seen them before. So first things first, um, I wanted to kind of go into the different types of colorblindness. Um, so, so if you have normal color vision for those folks out there, which is a large majority, uh, that is trichromacy. That's where you perceive all three colors, your red, your green, your blues. Um, and then there is anomalous trichromacy. So Mm -hmm. this is where all three of your cone cells are perceiving light, but one out of the three, and this is going to vary from one person to the next as to which cone that is. One of them Mm -hmm. receives it, uh, like out of alignment. So it's like they're partially receiving that color. Um, so in all, there are seven different types of colorblindness. So in the anomalous trichromacy, that one is going to be where you're partially receiving those lights. Uh, there is protan, and I'm going to butcher these, you guys, because I'm not used to saying them, but there's protanamolite, um, and that is going to be a reduced red green so you're reducing your red light sensitivity with that one um mm-hmm. the deuteronomy <laughs> oh man i'm just hard. glad i'm not the one saying these words you can take the next one <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so that one is a reduced green light sensitivity um now this one is the most common form of color blindness um and for okay. anybody out there that that wants to actually look these up on their own, I'll spell this one out for you. It's D-E-U-T-E-R-A-N-O-M-A-L-Y. So that's the most common one. Um, And then there's uh, Tritonomaly, and that one is a reduced blue sensitivity, which is extremely rare. Um, so with those three, those three are partially receiving those colors, um, but they're not receiving them correctly. So, uh, I think that that basically ends up to where like these colors, I don't want to say are like out of focus, but they're there, but not, not quite. Uh, so moving on from that, there is the dichromacy and that's where you, have two light perceiving cones and one cone is non-functioning. And again, that's going to vary from one person to another. Um, And the names of these are still very similar. Um, So this is protanopia, P-R-O-T-A-N-O-P-I-A. And that is the inability to perceive red light. Um, And then there is... (laughs) Deuteranopia. <laughs> so D-E-U-T-E-R-A-N-O-P-I-A. And that's the inability to perceive green. And I think that my spell check messed this one up because um, it says look tritonopia. 
look tritanopia so it's just tritanopia t-r-i-t-a-n-o-p-i-a and um that is the inability to perceive blue um so we've got your trichromacy all three are working and firing off just right anomalous trichromacy where all three are working but one of them sort of isn't dichromacy two's working one isn't and then monochromacy um and this is where you can't see color at at all um you kind of see shades of gray shades of gray (laughs) (laughs) i know so this one it's like a a kinky old tv Um, it is sad um so this one's also called um achromatopsia um so it's grayscale specific it's really rare it's like one in thirty-three thousand. um okay now in my looking a lot though it is and you know what else i i found in my studies of all of this was that um areas of a high concentrate of caucasian individuals there's an increase of color blindness. So color blindness, it, it's more predominant in men than it is in women. <clears throat> and um, apparently it's much more predominant in us white folks than it is in the rest of the world. See, so there's a reason it, why we need that's to be where multiracial, you're getting most man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta add yeah. some spice to that. <laughs> Add some spice to it. Decrease your color blindness problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a win-win, yeah, man. It, yeah, I think it was saying like that South Africans had the least amount of color blindness problems, if I can remember correctly. Oh. I didn't. I didn't make a note of that one specifically, but I'm pretty sure that that was what I read. Um. So. In All right, over, reason number 3,532 was to have a multiracial family. Hey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, in reading over everything about the monochromacy, um, it was saying that most optometrists really do receive just very limited training, um, mm-hmm. and they rely, and it was the Ishihara test, so I-S-H-I-H-A-R-A. Um, and that test cannot diagnose blue yellow deficiency or grayscale vision. So that test is predominantly for, uh, red green deficiencies. Um, so if you've been diagnosed, yeah, if you've been diagnosed, uh, as being totally colorblind, or if you feel like you might have like a blue yellow deficiency, um, I, I did find a link saying for you to visit <clears throat> achromatopsia.org. So uh, achromatopsia is A-C-H-R-O-M-A-T-O-P-S-I-A.org. Um, this doesn't so, sound like a spelling bee. I know, I know. It was a difficult <laughs> topic. These are some weird words. Like they are some weird even... words. Yeah. Now you know what I find fascinating. I have met what? two colorblind men, and mm-hmm. they were green blind, 
green colorblind. I don't know how you say that. Um, So they have a hard time seeing greens. And I kid you not, Mm -hmm. both of them wear the brightest greens in existence. I don't know what it is, but they love that because there's there's a green. So it's like the very loud, obnoxious green, you know, like in sports and stuff. Um, Okay. They can see that green. There's something about that shade of green that they can see. So they love it. It's like both of them. Like they will wear that color and in their shoes, in their shirts, like hats. It's like exciting like because they can see that color of green that's both weird of them, i mean it's like it's they're awesome. not the same they're not the same age they don't know each other they don't live in the same area i just huh. i just think it's so fascinating because they both are colorblind is it like a type. neon green or is yes. it like that emerald green it's so like neon. the neon green yeah like I, wa- I wonder if that's because that has more yellow in it probably yeah, that's interesting. A part of me kind of wishes that I would work more with people that do have color blindness just because I would love to understand it better. Yeah. And for me, you know, because I'm not colorblind, the only way that I'm going to be able to understand it better is to work with people who are colorblind or to work right. with people that are experienced dealing with color blindness. And, you know, for me, every time I had an optometrist say like, oh, yeah, the color correcting glasses, they're really not that great. I'm like, not that great to who? Like, I mean, for for me, are they not that great to you? Because you you are trichromatic. You've got all of your (laughs) your cones firing off the way they should. Or not not that great to an actual colorblind person that maybe maybe they had an unreasonable level of expectation, which was why I thought that this would be a valuable conversation, because for those people that are interested in it and they've been around predominantly like I've, I've started hearing about them more and more, maybe in the past like eight years or so, I've noticed that they've been having like this surge of popularity so for me i'm like okay maybe there needs to be a better level of expectation like progressives a lot of people want progressives because they've heard that they're great but then they they have this misunderstanding about how they're supposed to operate and then you have to sit down and have this conversation with with your client with your patient however you want to refer to them but you know, sometimes you have to put that level of expectation into their head because they come in with an unreasonable one. Right. So I I don't want a, a colorblind patient to come through an office and then be discouraged from buying something that could otherwise give them that joy and pleasure of, of seeing in a way that they they never thought that they could. Not that there's an OD that's saying, oh, yeah, it's really, it's just not worth the money. But, you know, for me, vision is kind of priceless. As soon as you lose yeah. your vision, you're, you're losing something that, I mean, for me, vision is everything. 
you know, you want to be able to see what your baby looks like when you give birth. You want to be able to see your loved one, which it shouldn't be just based on that. But, you know, for me, like, I mean, it, it, it changes things, you know, texture is a cool thing and smell is a cool thing, but vision is, it's just different. So I don't want people to receive this info where it's not worth it. And the money aspect of it, when I actually got into the financials of it all, it really, to me, was about average. Um, so it, it was uh, my focus out of the five brands. So I did list a link for all five brands. And okay. they were rated in this article. Like there's like an A plus brand. There is a B plus. And the one that I'm focusing on was actually rated B plus. Um, <clears throat> but... For the, the one that I looked at that was an A+, I didn't like it because I didn't think that they had enough effort in their brand that I think they could be doing more. So I started focusing on Enchroma uh, for the people listening. Enchroma, E-N-C-H-R-O-M-A. Uh, so Enchroma is the brand that I've always been familiarized with since I started hearing about color corrective lenses. And, and Chroma is the one that you see in all of those commercials where it's like somebody puts glasses on and they can see and and they start crying. And, and for me, I think it, for some folks, that would be a really emotional thing. Like, wow, like this is a whole new world of vision that I I can't even explain. It just depends on the person because, you know, there's people in this world like you, uh, Mm-hmm. That you see, you know, 10,000 different colors. You see color between the colors. Um, and then there's people like me. I'm not actually colorblind, but I might as well be. Because for me, there's like 15 colors. That's it. Um, and then, you know, so I'm like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm yeah. over here. I'm that, like, you're that one, like, on a computer where you've got, like, those designated blocks of color. And then there's the hex code where it's like an infinite array of color. And that's me. That's you. Yes. <laughs> so, so I think, right, just talking through this, you know, I think if the colorblind person is more artistic, more, you know, into color like you are, putting those on and going from, I don't know, a thousand colors to two thousand colors, that would be like a life-changing experience. Heck yeah, For someone like me, right, that I see 15 colors, even if you put two more colors, I'm going to be like, it still looks yellow. (laughs) 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 Lucia's not going to go from this looks like yellow to this looks like canary or dandelion. It's just yellow. (laughs) It's yellow. It's yellow. You know, and yellow, yellow is like her favorite color. So you would think it that is. she would have it narrowed down to a shade of yellow. No, it's just yellow. I like yellow. <laughs> I like you do. all yellow. All yellow. But yellow, yellow. I feel like yellow is like your aura. Like yellow is a very like positive, upbeat, energetic color. And I feel like yellow is like your aura color. I know that you probably don't believe in that crap like I do, but you know, <laughs> it's a thing. Know. But you know, I don't oh. even know what that means. But you know, and so so yeah, that's what that's 
like my thing, you know, um, for someone like me that are very, I don't know, like, yeah, yellow is yellow. Um, right. It wouldn't make that big of a difference. But for someone like you that you're like, oh, there's, you know, I can't even think. Like, egg yuck, yellow, egg, egg. Oh my yo. god, help me out here. Thank yo, you, babe. <laughs> yo, yellow. And then there's mustard yellow and everything in between. I don't know if those are even in the different extremes, but whatever. But you see what I'm saying? For someone that's like that, yeah. adding more color to it would be like, wow, I can see the different. What are they called? Uh, Shades, cues. No, cues. There, that word. <laughs> you know, and that would be exciting for them. I wonder also, like, some of those emotional responses, like, I wonder if that's, like, some level of sadness where it's like, I can't believe I've missed this my whole life, or if it's just such sheer enjoyment. I Like, for the if there's a listener out there that has experienced these glasses and they've mm-hmm. gained some of that vision, I would love to hear from you. Like I, yes. I'm really curious from a firsthand account, what that was like to put those glasses on and see the world differently than you're used to. And what that felt like, like in terms of the process, because, yeah. you know, for me, I'm, I'm an emotional person. Lucia will tell you that. Like I, I cry very easily. Um, I am a people pleaser. So like for me, I'm very emotional, but if it's anything like that, like I would love to hear that story. I think those are stories that are worth hearing. And I think the only time that I've been like almost to tears because of the overwhelm of emotion, um, was in a museum. You know, because I, I like art. My dad was really big into photography and stuff. And I have had places, museums. And, okay, before I go any farther, don't think that I'm that lady that goes to the museum and starts crying. Because I don't. I've been to many, 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 many museums in my life. All the time. That was, like, one thing we did with my parents all the time. I'm curious what exhibit you were at that invoked that response. <laughs> They have an exhibit about uh, the stages of humans in the womb. Oh, yeah. And that was really cool. That was really cool. But it wasn't a a tearjerker for me. I'm not. No. No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Now I sound like this horrible person. No, I was at the Smithsonian. Um, Okay. I was at the Smithsonian, and uh, we were at the history part which I'm, my kids and my family are very much into history, U.S. history, well, all history, but, and um, we, the first big, oh my God, I can't believe I'm in front of this piece, was when we were in front of um, the Declaration of Independence, and it was like, oh, wow, okay, you know, yeah. I have, you know, like, with, with my past and my background and all that, it was like, wow. I can't even put into words what it means to me what these men did when they signed it. Yeah. You know, like, 
it, that was overwhelming. So I think if seeing color for the first time is anything like that, I don't, I think the emotional response has nothing to do with what I've missed, but what I'm seeing right now, like what I'm experiencing. Like it just hits you in the moment. moment. Yes. It's like, whoa, I, I am so full of emotion and I love this so much that I can't even contain it within my body. That's what it felt like. Okay. Yeah. I, I was so curious what that Look was. I do and have a like... heart somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you have a huge heart. Okay. Like you're just, uh, for like, I think between the two of us, you are much more logical in the, in your way of thinking and feeling about things where I'm very emotional and like, and I do think that that's from like the artist perspective. I do find that most artists are very emotional people. Yeah. Uh, you know, where I could go, like I went to a museum and I, it was like a one-off museum that I found while I was out for St. Patrick's day in Savannah one year. It was just, uh, when I go out of town, I like to drive around and get lost and then find my way back. And I find the coolest things in my little journeys doing that. And I found this, it was a canning museum. So like, a, I think they did like seafood canning and stuff. And it was owned by freed slaves. Um, and it had like a room on, in the facility where it, sh it showed their stories from like, you know, the history of the place the people that started it, where it ended up. And like, I'm watching this video and it's, it's very informative, but you know, it was also very emotional for me because like hearing these people's stories, I was like, this is so beautiful. And so, you know, I'm that person that will go in and like watch a video <laughs> in the middle of a museum and then be like, <laughs> and start crying. But I think like that, that's kind of where it boils down. Like for, for the two of us, like the way our brains work is just different, but that's also so fascinating to me. Brains are an amazing thing. Yeah. So, sidebar. So I think, <laughs> I know, like, whew. Um, that's all right. If you're listening, you're used to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that so, that makes us more relatable. Like that people listening right. are like, yeah, these two go off on whatever tangent, but either it's entertaining or it's informative, but whatever it is, like I'm here for it. <laughs> so, so yeah. um, so yeah, I think, uh, seeing color and I think it's probably misdiagnosed because most people don't see it as that important. Right. Like, yeah. if you don't have a limb, that's important. We need to do something about that. If you can't see sharp, that's a problem. We need to see something about that. But not being able to mm -hmm. see color in all of its arrays doesn't really um, enable you to be able to do right. normal things, right? So I think that's probably why it's not a priority for our doctors because it's not like a medical condition that needs fixing. Right. Uh, right. It, I think that this would fall under something that's more of like a vanity kind of correction. Right. Like right. for most people that are colorblind, most of them I think have been colorblind since birth. So right. they don't, 
they don't know any better. That's their particular brand of handicap and they've just learned to live with it. If they even notice it at all, except for me, uh, we are now moving into an era where technology is trying to improve that for people for whatever reason. Like, you know, maybe the, I think the doctors that started this, uh, like it was like a PhD that, that started in Chroma. Right. And, you know, let's say they've got their own reasons for wanting to try to help people that have that. Um, cool. The technology is out there and I support that technology. I support the advances that they're trying to make and who knows, maybe one day they'll figure out a way to prevent it from, from birth onward where it's just not going to be a, a, deficit it's not going to be a problem but I you know what I did if or what it would be like to not be able to see color for like a whole week so hmm. to kind of like understand you know what I mean like yeah I don't know I don't know I do a lot of tests and my own I'm not trying to figure anything out I'm just for myself because I have a lot of blind people in my family I'll do a lot of things like at night like okay if I were to lose my vision like do I have this set up could I get around my house or you know just kind of stuff like that um and it's interesting the things that you learn when you take away one of your senses um, yeah. You know, so I don't know what the difference would be. I don't Especially think... Especially for somebody that only sees black and white. Right? Now, I do feel that if you if you were a monochromatic patient, you can only see grayscale, and they were to create a pair of glasses that gives you full-spectrum color vision... That would be something to be emotional about. Like, okay, you and I have both experienced giving the gift of vision to people, right? You have your own stories where, you know, when you got your first pair of glasses and you're driving home, you're like, holy crap, I can see the leaves on the tree, right? And on the surface, being able to distinguish leaves on a tree doesn't sound life-altering. But for people who are... 50, 60, 70 years old who were raised in areas where they couldn't get eye exams or they've been unable to afford to have an eye exam, right? Right. Being able to give them their first pair of glasses and allowing them to see those things clearly is an emotional response for them that they could look at their loved ones and be like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. And, you know, seeing things different. Now, I definitely think when, and I'm saying when because I'm trying to put my positive vibes out there, when the day comes that they have color corrective lenses that will fix those blue yellow deficient patients or those monochromatic patients only seeing in grayscale, uh, yeah. I think that that's going to be an amazing thing and that the people yeah. that are receiving those, I don't want them to get some piece of advice from an OD saying, oh, it's not worth it. 
like it is worth it like life this world is beautiful and you know it's almost for me when i look at photos let's say of new york city right i can look at old photos in black and white and those are very stoic for me like you're you're seeing something from way back when but anytime you see a black and white photo you automatically assume it's really really old right but then if you colorize those photos they make them even more magnificent and even more impactful so for the people of the world that are suffering from those colorblind problems i do think that they need to be able to have that opportunity to make that decision and not be met with oh it's not worth it so for me for the money and it seemed like whenever i was doing my research for a bulk of these enchroma glasses with the Mm -hmm. prescription they were under 600 i think um, and without prescription, just the cor- color corrective lenses off the jump, no RX, just put them on and go. Um, I think they were averaging like 300 and that was with the frame, with the lenses included. And for the listeners, not, not the opticians, but for the listeners right. of the world, $300 for a frame with lenses that are designed to correct your color vision whether they have a prescription in them or not is not bad. The last yeah. practice I was at, I would sell you just a frame for sometimes four and $500, depending on who made it. Yes. Um, you know, so that's really, it's not that bad for the people that have yeah. that money to spend where maybe a special day is coming up like a wedding or a graduation right. or, or you're traveling the world for the first time. You want to be able to see as much of that as accurate as it exists. And right. for me, that's an investment in your vision. And I never, I never think that that's bad. So uh, a little bit more info on Enchroma before we wrap everything up today. Okay. Um, so that was founded by Don McPherson and Andy Schmieder. Schmieder? Either way. Sorry, Andy. Um, <laughs> um, so the uh, the Enchroma are specific for those red-green deficient patients, like I mentioned. Um, and they use um, color perception, neuroscience. Uh, they use lens dyes and different material innovations um, to stimulate the brain's color processing center to enhance their vision and perceive those colors differently through the lens. Um, with, with Enchroma, the one thing that I did like about them, which is why I chose to cover them more than anybody else, was that they had yep. over 400 color accessibility programs and initiative organizations. Um, like even mm. UNC, uh, UNC has partnered with Enchroma to help some of their students and stuff. Um, so they've got five different main, yeah, uh, they've got five different types of programs. Um, they've got a colorblind glasses loaner program, a colorblind enabled scenic viewer. So for the people that like to go to national parks, they'll know exactly oh. what I'm talking about. You know, those little, like, well, not little, those giant viewers that you can go and look through and you can yes. see like way yes. far away. 
So they have started making colorblind enabled scenic viewers for parks so that if you are wow. colorblind, you can go and look through these things and see things with more color accuracy. And I thought that was huh. really cool because most of the places that you are using those is going to either be in very large cities or yeah. in national parks. And you want to be able to see nature in the way nature yeah. intended to be seen. Um, they also have colorblind employee accommodation programs. Um, uh, so I think next week's episode, uh, I told Lucy I wanted to do like a spooky episode of optometry, except there's not a lot of spooky stories out there. Um, so I ended up kind of rabbit holing down some stuff that involved um, on the job injuries. Okay. So okay. I'm thinking like with this, where I saw like this employee accommodation thing, Okay, well, how many of those injuries could be, could, I'm not saying they are, could be facilitated by the fact that this could be a colorblind employee and that could trigger an injury because they are unable to see things correctly because of their lack of color perception. So with that, I thought that that was really cool that you've got this employee initiative. Um, and then they also had a colorblind um, student in enablement program for students. Um and with that, I did see these are available for purchase on their website. Um, they're also available on Amazon. Or if you're anything like me, I'm going to encourage you to go and seek an actual optometrist or a colorblind specialist, if those are even a thing, and go and make sure that you're, you're getting all the help and resources that you need. Um, and there's also a kit that they sell. It's a $600 kit. Um, and that comes with glasses that are available to improve accessibility and inclusion for your students or for your business, or maybe you're a museum, you have a colorblind person come through, the museum can be like, oh, here, like I've got these glasses for you if you want to be able to see things clearly. Um, so they do offer a kit for people that, that might need them. So, uh, you know, in all, I, I thought that this brand was worth mentioning because it does look like they are putting in the footwork to try to actually help people and not just make glasses for purchase. Like they're trying to do their engagement and their outreach and make it to where people that are suffering with the color blindness does have some option out there. Um, yeah. If you are interested in Enchroma, um, they do have a 60-day money-back guarantee, uh, but there is That's a $50 really cool. restocking fee. Yeah. Um, so for the patients out there, restocking fees, these are going to start becoming more and more normalized, even in your optometry practice. If you yeah. want to return your glasses, there's going to be a restocking fee, and that is to recoup yeah. the loss of money that was just caused. Um, so they have a $50 restocking. Uh, they come with a two-year warranty. Um, uh, I lost my place. Oh, uh, they are available with indoor and outdoor lenses. Um, but like I said, it seems they to be that they are more, they work better outdoors. And so they do come in a sunglass design. Uh, they're not very fancy. They're very basic. They have a lot of different designs. Um, oh, so like, uh, I mean, pages of designs but they were all 
pretty basic, but they do come available in youth sizes, adult sizes, men's sizes, or styles, women, whatever. Um, so yeah, if you guys are interested in them, um, you know, I'm linking everything in the show notes. Uh, you can do your homework with them, but this is definitely somebody that I, I would support if I was colorblind. Um, I know that the money that I'm spending on this is going into further research and development and outreach. Yeah. Outreach for me is a very important thing in eye care, um, <clears throat> especially for that that finite part of eye care that not a lot of people really do a lot of homework in. Um, so, yeah, yeah uh, I have linked a lot of stuff into the show notes for... Uh, varying colorblindness studies, ways that you can find different types of outreach, you know, if you, a loved one, or even your kids, uh, especially your kids, you know, if we've got an opportunity to look into that kind of stuff and make sure that they're receiving their proper, um, right, their proper help, then by all means, let's, let's look into that. Um, oh, did you have anything else that you wanted to chat about? No. Oh, wait, I have one more thing. So before I hopped on here, uh, before I hopped on here today, um, I checked all of our statistics and we are up to six, a whopping six subscribers on YouTube and five on Apple podcast. I'm really excited that Apple has been getting more traction and then we're up to 15 on Spotify. Um, So I think that right i think that this is our 13th episode um if i can remember correctly lost yeah we're definitely over 10 but under 20 there we go yes. um <laughs> there go. so I, I think this will be our 13th episode so for 13 episodes in and 15 subscribers i'm happy with that you know yeah. maybe one day it'll it'll for blow up sure. Um, I was on opticians of facebook yesterday and somebody had posted something basically saying that they don't like those meta glasses. And uh, there was a lot of discussion of people not being enthusiastic about it. And I was like, uh-huh. yeah, I just recorded a podcast episode. It'll air tomorrow. So I did have a couple of people ask me for a link. So hopefully they'll listen and they can enjoy that podcast. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I think that was everything for today. Uh, For all of you listening, please share our podcast. Uh, Don't forget our video podcast is available on YouTube. um, Just so you can see all of our glorious frames and faces. And make sure that you like and subscribe so you don't miss the episodes. Um, Coming up next is going to be our little spooky episode. And I'm going to talk about some weird eye parasites. Um, Ugh. I got, I got more to Ew. tell you about that. Ah, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Oh uh, man. But otherwise we will see you guys back next week and thanks for coming back and joining us. So bye. bye. bye.